0: Evolutionary.org podcast coming your way. Episode 459, Steve me and the Ricky B. Rock. How's it going, man?
1: Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there?
0: So today we have six topics for the Q&A. Uh, it's going to be a really good show. So let's get right to it uh, so we don't waste any more time. First one is use of pharmaceuticals such as metformin and telmosartin. And so I'll start with Metformin, and what Metformin does, um if you guys know anybody who is a type 2 diabetic, a lot of them do use Metformin because they don't want to inject insulin. So Metformin is a very effective drug. it's a It's a wonderful drug um, that allows diabetics to take something where they're not you know messing around with needles and they're not messing around with these hormones, you know, how they inject hormones after their meals and stuff. So metformin helps them basically control their blood sugar. Um, so in the way that metformin works, obviously is, you know, when they, when diabetic eats a meal, because they have a dysfunctional pancreas, we're talking type two di- diabetics versus type one diabetics So a type one diabetic it's more of a, a situation where their pancreas doesn't function at all. And a lot of times, you know, they get diagnosed with it. Um, and it's something, it's, it, it's something, it could be um, something genetic. It could be something where their pancreas isn't functioning, but a type two diabetic will be in a situation where, you know, a lifetime of poor diet choices, poor lifestyle choices will lead them their pancreas just to stop functioning correctly. Where they eat a meal and their, and their pancreas doesn't spit up, spit out insulin uh, to drop their blood sugar back down. So metformin is a really good drug for that reason. Now the downside the metformin is, and uh, a lot of a lot of diabetics that I know don't don't want to take it. It's because the the side effects and um, you know also the different things that it. it doesn't mesh with, um, it can be a really big deal. If you, if you take metformin with another drug or you take it with alcohol or something like that. So you really uh, have to watch out. And then a lot of people too, they, they complain about, um, you know, issues with, uh, gut issues when they take metformin. Um, I know someone, I know they had a complaint about diarrhea um, there's constipation that can come out. It can really throw off your bowel movements. It can give you a lot of gas and give you bloating and all this other stuff. There's also things with dizziness and and, and being tired and lethargic. So there's all kinds of side effects um, associated with it. But why are we talking about metformin? Metform and bodybuilding. Um, you know, there's a lot of bodybuilders out there that'll take metformin. I've used it a couple times myself. Um, it did absolutely nothing for me. Um So, but I think what happens is, and the reason metformin is used at the pro bodybuilding level is they're, they're running so much human growth hormone that using metformin with the human growth hormone kind of, kind of makes sense um, because it can kind of help control your blood sugar issue. So, so I don't think it has a place in, in, if you're a normal gym rat, I don't think it has a place for you. But if you're at the professional level, I can see where it has a place just like insulin, just like how insulin has a place at the professional level. So my advice, if you're listening to this and 99% of you that are just regular gym rats, you like to, you know, work out, you like to use steroids here and there. Don't mess with metformin because anything like this, any type of drug like this that you're throwing in your body that can fuck with your bowel movements is not something that I recommend. Break, what are your thoughts?
1: So metformin has is, is been um, legitimately used by bodybuilders uh, to improve the way they look. Uh, there have been studies on metformin and fat loss. Uh, some studies have shown metformin to be very favorable in fat loss. Other studies uh, have said it, it's not as good for fat loss unless you're like obese and in danger of developing diabetes. Uh, metformin usually is given to guys with type 2 diabetes, even though some people with type 1 have also been prescribed metformin along with the insulin, but for the most part is usually a type 2 diabetes drug. Um, Could you as a bodybuilder benefit from metformin? Look, the only guys who should be using or, or I think should even think about using metformin for bodybuilding purposes are if one, your doctor is Telling you, you got to take metformin, and then you also happen to bodybuild. So there you go. And two, if if you're competing and you have a coach, and it's part of your coach's regimen. Uh, I remember one particularly one particular girl I went out with for a while. Her coach had her on metformin going up to the show, and um, this girl has won a lot of stuff. So if you have a coach and he's telling you how to how to administer it, or if your doctor says you need to be taking it, then by all means. But if not, um, I'm one of those guys where I don't like taking a lot of pharmaceuticals for fat loss, for weight loss. I'm, I think taking steroids and SARMs to preserve your natural your muscle mass as you're dropping body fat, pretty good. That that's very hard and natural to do. But to just take a, a drug to help speed along fat loss when you could just eat less and and train a little bit harder. I'd rather go with a little bit more pain keeping the fork away from my mouth and and getting rid of calories that way than, you know, add a drug for fat loss. And when I do take something for fat loss, I'll usually uh, take supplements, over-the-counter supplements. The -the over-the-counter supplements that we have today for fat loss, over-the-counter supplements, hear me out, guys, that are available over-the-counter today are very, very strong. And you don't really need to look Deep into pharma, pharmaceuticals and synthetics to get anything better than what you have out there today. If you combine it with good diet and, and good responsible eating, so taking a good stimulant uh, to help you know keep you going even on a caloric deficit to help curb appetite some like my end to burn product you guys can pick up from needtobuildmuscle dot com or also taking a nutrient partitioner instead of something like metformin and too slim. You know, uh, metformin. You need about five hundred. Some some guys will take seven hundred, a thousand milligrams a day. Um, I make a product called Entuslin. and yeah, I mean it. It takes about seven different ingredients all coming together to create a, a better uh, a better response for guys looking for fat loss and and an improvement in, in the way they look. And you know, it's a loaded product, and you have to take about. Two to three capsules before each meal, and it works great. It, it, if you're if you've ever used metmorphin, metamorphin for bodybuilding purposes, not diabetes, and you've or you've been curious about it, N2SLIN is what you need. It's probably the main reason I've never really messed with metformin, but I still take advantage of the insulin pathway for fat loss. Is taken the N2SLIN. You go to N the number two slin.com uh, you go right there. Um, I'm, I'm going to note it in the description of this podcast, and you could try it out, man. Entocylin is a great product. It's not stimulant, and it works kind of the same way, you know. Um, metformin, on the studies, it seems like it really helps people that are overweight and close to being almost um, close to being almost diabetic, and it might uh, show an improvement for those people in fat loss. There uh, are the other studies that that are or try to uh, say it's just not a, a great drug for that purpose. I think if you're curious or, or if you're thinking about uh, losing body fat um, through the insulin pathways through regulating um, sugar kind of in your blood a little bit, I think Entucilin is the, is the better way to go. I wouldn't use metamorphine unless, unless you have a coach and you're getting on stage and that's what, that's what he has you using and you guys are you know you're hardcore about your drugs or the doctor says you need to you need to be taken i think those are the only two scenarios i think anyone should really mess with metformin for everybody else and that's a product you need
0: so the other one we're going to talk about micardis or telmisartan and this is a blood pressure medication and the way it works in the body it's an angiotensin 2 receptor antagonist. And it's an angiotensin receptor blocker ARB. And what happens is uh, Bumpster and I do the hardcore podcast. We've done a lot of these guys who are dropping dead. They're dropping dead in their forties. They're getting heart attacks and they're living in a, uh, you know, in a fantasy world Uh, when you're that big and you're using all these steroids and you're shortening your life quite a bit. And the organ that you're putting the most pressure on is your heart. And what happens is your heart just can't take it anymore. And you get blockages and you get all kinds of issues. So, you know, this drug is one of these things that these pro bodybuilders, just like the Metformin, some of these pro bodybuilders at high levels, they're, they're using this. They're using 20, they're using 40, they're using 60 milligrams a day to help them with, you know, the cardiovascular disease or reduce their chance of stroke. So they're taking a, you know, they're taking... They're doing it. They're doing it. They're, they want to prevent an issue from happening. They want to prevent, you know, a heart attack down the line. It could be months from now. It could be years from now. It could be 20 years from now. But all this is, is taking effect. It also could help with insulin sensitivity. It can help with cognitive function, obviously cholesterol levels, HDL cholesterol levels. So these numbers, you know, they get all wacky when you're running a bunch of steroids and you're, you're huge and you're bodybuilding. So that's why they, they mess with it. Anything you want to add on this one, Rick? It's not something that you should need. If you're using anabolic steroids responsibly, it's not something you should need. But I can't fault someone for wanting to take a proactive, you know, some, doing something proactive like this. If you're a guy who's really, really, really big, you're a really, really big guy, and you're using a lot of anabolic steroids, it might be a good idea to sit down with your doctor and discuss it, you know, and discuss, hey, maybe I should take something that can prevent an event from happening. Because preventing a stroke or a heart attack is a lot better for you than actually waiting till you have a heart attack, and then having to have surgery. Because it's not the heart attack that is the worst part of a heart attack. It's the aftermath. Because after you have a heart attack, it can take you a year, two years, three years, five years, where you just don't have the energy you did before. And you're not going to be able to work out the way you did before. And you're definitely not going to be able to use anabolic steroids the way you did before. So don't wait till you get the heart attack, guys. You need to take care of your heart. And you need to talk to your doctor about this and really get your blood blood work tested, get your heart tested. Once you get over 40, 40, 45, 50, you really need to look at your heart because you're going to drop dead at 60, all because you didn't take a proactive approach.
1: Anything you want to add to this, Rick, or you want to move on? Um, one drug that a lot of bodybuilders take that is actually uh, turned out uh, after years of research, it's actually good for your heart is Cialis, apparently. Uh, obviously, when you overdo anything, it could <laughs> it could be detrimental. But apparently uh, Cialis, when used in moderation over time, it's supposed to really help your heart health and uh, help uh, decrease the probability of you having heart problems as you get older. I just wanted to, t- to cause that. And I thought that was interesting. And Why would Cialis?
0: Why would Cialis be like that, but Viagra not?
1: Well, uh, apparently Cialis is the one that that came up uh, in the study, but uh, they suspect there's all of these drugs, uh, from Tadanafil to Cadenafil, Bardanafil All of these are actually apparently um, helping your heart somehow. But the one, the one that I came across, uh, this was a while back, uh, was specifically Cialis that they were uh, looking at in the study. So apparently that's a like drug uh, that could help with some heart issues. Now, as far as uh, tell me, Sart- tell me, tell there's some tell me, Sartan, how do you pronounce this drug? I can't, with my accent, I haven't have had trouble pronouncing it. How do you pronounce it, Steve?
0: Buddy? I have no clue. I think it's Tell me, tell Sartan. Me. I, I, tell me, I tell read me, Sartan. this stuff. I don't really
1: talk about it with people. So. Gotcha. Well, um, I'll make sure to get the right spelling on the description of the podcast, but guys there are, uh, a lot of different drugs outside of the steroids and the SARMs and the peptides that we talk about that are being used in one way or another in bodybuilding. And this apparent appears to be uh, one of those, we usually don't get into some of these drugs that Steve and I don't personally mess with or have experience with, because look at the end of the day, all of you listening, you're just trying to lose body fat and gain muscle mass, uh, we are discussing here several dozens of different options between steroids songs and peptides that you can take to achieve those two goals which is put on some some muscle mass and burn body fat uh, some of these drugs uh, like tell me certain, like um it may just not be necessary they might have some effect on guys that are below 10% body fat going up to a show, or maybe really unhealthy people that are obese and already are having problems with insulin resistance and their heart and whatnot. But a, a healthy individual, a middle to lower teens in body fat, just trying to uh, get a little bit leaner with a little bit more muscle and stay healthy year round. Uh, a lot of these drugs just are completely unnecessary. And maybe not, not for you to be messing with. So we usually don't cover these much. Um, and these are two that we haven't, I don't think covered ever on the podcast. And we just mentioned today, but that's kind of our thinking on it, guys. It's just kind of unnecessary, especially for fat loss, especially talk to me about fat loss, because you could just eat less calories, fuck the MP and Metmorph and all this other stuff to just what, to, to lose fat quicker. How about you just eat less calories? okay, you are bulking and cutting because you're going into a show. So you're cutting, you have a schedule. Okay. I can see you having to utilize drugs and you have a coach that's got experience helping people with these drugs. I can see you have some justification to, to take some of this more advanced chemistry um, because you, you know, dialing back one or two points in your body fat percentage at the time, the Euro stage could be the difference between winner or losing. So I can, I can maybe see that in some of those guys. But just Bob going to the office that got a, a little bit fat during the winter, the holidays, and is trying to shed a little bit of body fat. No, Bob, you don't need morphine. You don't need uh, clenbuterol. You don't fucking need You don't need a DMP, Bob. You don't need any of these crazy fat loss drugs to just lose body fat. You're not on a schedule. You're not going to be judged. Oh, you just take your time. Eat less, more cardio. Definitely pump some anabolic so you don't lose muscle mass as you're cutting the fat, but really cut the fat with training and, and dialing back on, on your calories. And then you don't need any of these real crazy drugs. Entucilin is a great, great product to take uh, before every meal. It's definitely going to give you some of the better benefits that people who are looking at metamorphine for fat loss is going to give you the better benefits of it without any of the other unwanted sides, because metamorphin is really a a a, a drug uh, being given to folks with type two diabetes. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that was my last, uh, my last uh, thing I had to say on it.
0: The next time we're going to talk about is adjusting your training coming off cycle. So I'm gonna let you get first crack at this one, Rick. Since you're on a roll, how do
1: you adjust your training when you're coming off a cycle? Um, I, I think if you do it right, your training will just adjust itself. Meaning you'll, you'll get into, you'll get, you'll be at the gym. You'll get in there. You'll try to do your regular workouts with your regular uh, weights and your regular repetitions, and you just won't be able to. You know, you'll reach failure earlier on than you did at the middle of your cycle. Uh, you're gonna be way more tired in between sets. You might need a little bit more more of a rest in between sets, and you're just gonna notice it. You know, unless unless it you know it's it's been your first one or two cycles, and and you are and uh, uh, you've been training for a really long time. Most of the time, you're going to notice a noticeable difference between your strength, your recovery time in between sets, your recovery in between workouts and, and your output. There's that. I mean, it's the reason these things are illegal, guys, in, in every sport out there. Right. You're going to notice a difference. So if you're really doing it right and you PCT properly and all that good stuff, uh, you'll be just as motivated, just as ready to get in the gym as you always were on cycle. I mean, you'll be fine to get in there you using my hc generate product uh during your post cycle therapy you're going to stay motivated you're going to stay ready to go but when you're finally pumping out repetitions pumping out volume putting an in intensity into your workouts you're going to notice the lack of the androgens you're less less repetitions reaching failure earlier maybe having a, a take a few pounds off the plates maybe needing a little bit extra uh, time in between sets maybe being uh, way more sore um after a workout or for days longer than you were otherwise, your, your training adjusts itself and you shouldn't, you know, maybe I've said something different in the before, you know, adjust your training when you're off and it may not be a bad idea, but uh, the kind of uh, a mental state that I'm in right now, I think you just, you just hit it hard, keep bursting through and your training will adjust itself when you're not on the androgens, but you should still try to push Make it then a mental workout, a uh, more so than just a physical one. A mental workout to get the same kind of reps, get the same kind of intensity and weight and volume of a workout. And even when you're off the sauce, and now you're you're not just working your body, you're working your mental state as well. And maybe you should try to continue pumping hard like you were on the sauce, but you know just maybe accept that your body's going to is going to give in, it's going to be uh, not as strong as you are mid cycle. So that's all I got to say about that. It depends on what you're running,
0: but I mean, let's say you're running trend, you get to the level and you want to run trend, which is a good fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth cycle. Okay. You don't want to run trend the first three cycles you run, obviously. Okay. And this is one of the reasons you shouldn't, because when you run trend, your strength is going to go crazy. So then when you come off and that trend starts trickling out of your system, whatever, whatever, You're able to do on the trend, you hit your personal record on the trend. Let's say you hit your personal record of 350 pound on the bench press on trend. Before the trend, you could do maybe 310, 315. So you went from 310, 315 to 350, and you're like, damn, you know, I'm strong as hell. Well, when you come off the trend, that trend's not going to be in your system anymore. So your strength is going to drop. So if you go on there and load up 350 pounds on the bench, you're not going to be able to do it. You're, you know, it's it's just not going to happen. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, like Rick said, you have to adjust to it. You have to understand that. So this is why when you do, um, when you weight train, and we're going to talk about weight training, and, you know, a little later on in the show, we're going to get more into weight training. But it's a good idea when you're weight training to start out our weight, you know, a certain amount of reps, six reps, eight reps, 10 reps, 12 reps, whatever, and you can kind of gauge how many can I do? And any person, okay, I understand some some people out there they don't have that brain functionality, okay. And I'm not saying it's not as an insult, but what I mean by that is some people just can't follow what they're doing. So I say to you, if you're like that, okay, for whatever reason you're not aware, like you should be able to know how much can I deadlift, how much can I bench, how much can I squat. You should know all this. How much can I curl? You should already know this—that I can curl this much weight for this many reps. It should be ingrained in your brain. But let's say you're one of those people you just can't remember these types of things. Maybe you can't remember numbers. Uh, you know, some people are just can't. It doesn't make you dumb. It just some people are more talented in different ways. So in those situations, write it down. You know, you should be able to write this shit down. This way, you can kind of track. Hey, when I'm on trend, I can do 350 for three reps. When I'm off trend, I can do 315 for three reps. So now, when you come off the trend, you know, you should realize hey, I shouldn't be loading. You know, I should warm up. I shouldn't be throwing on 300 pounds on the bench right away. I should probably throw on 250 and work my way up and see, you know, do I lose everything and go back to 315 or do I lose half of it? And now I could do 325, 330. So you really should know this shit before you're going to do it. It just boggles the mind when I see. And let's be honest, Rick, it's usually the young male demographic in the gym. They're usually, you know, usually they get in, they're in groups of three, maybe four guys, and they throw on a bunch of weight on the bench press or a squat or whatever. And they just look like fools because they can't do the weight. And it's just like, dude, you need to put the weight that you should that you know that you can do. You don't just throw on a random amount of weight. You know, this doesn't make sense to me. But look, you know they're new. They might be new to it. They might be one of these guys that show up a couple times a month. They might have came got got in as a guest, you know, for a session or something. But they're not serious weight training. But maybe they will be. And one of the things, you know, if you think about it, if you're one of those people that that I'm describing, you go in there in a group and you guys just clown around and you throw in a bunch of weight that you don't know if you can do. You need to start, take a step back and be like, you know what? I have to build consistency at a lower weight and then work my way up. And then, like exactly what Rick said, when you come off steroids, you'll adjust to your strength, you'll adjust to your um, your volume, because all that stuff is going to change when you come off. This this uh, mentality that well, I, I'm I'm trying to do 350. I'm going to come off. I'm still going to be able to do 350. It doesn't work like that unless you're at such a low level that you have so much space to improve, but if you're already, you built a base and stuff, obviously you're not going to be able to do that much weight, nor should you want to do that much weight because your body has to get a break from that heavy, heavy type of weight training. So it really is a good idea. That's why you don't use trend your first few cycles, because if you do, you're probably going to get injured. You're probably going to get injured for that reason, because you're going to do, you're going to wait, do way too much weight than, than what you should be doing that your body's used to. So this kind of ties in the next one, Rick. Uh, I know you want to chime in on this one. Talk about CNS and is CNS a real thing? Central nervous system, how it affects during your workout, all that good stuff.
1: Uh, You lead on this one. I I didn't even understand the the question fully when I saw it it written down. So you go ahead and lead and I'll, uh, I'll add to anything you say.
0: Okay, so that goes... Yeah. So, um, so central nervous system, we hear this word thrown around a lot um, and that's the, the part of the nervous system that involves your brain and spinal cord. So when you're really like working out hard, um, you get this, these terms that get thrown out ad- adrenal fatigue. I'm sure you guys heard of that name before. Um, and that's where you get a lot of fatigue and you get, basically you lose motivation and all, all that good stuff. So, A lot of that, though, isn't from overtraining. A lot of that just is from it could be diet related. It could be a lack of sleep. It could be a lot of things. So when you're tying in steroids to this, you know, when you tie in steroids, sometimes the steroids can kind of throw your sleep patterns off and they can kind of cause you to be fatigued. And we hear this a lot with guys. There's like, I'm on steroids and I'm fatigued all day. But then when I go work out, I got energy all of a sudden. And then when I leave the gym, my energy is back down again. So, yeah, that's one of the things um, that happens when people use steroids. But, um, you know, yes, there is such a thing as overtraining. I mean, I go back to what I always tell people Um, when you're a younger guy you always think, you know, I'm invincible. I can go in there and work out six, seven times a week and nothing's going to happen to me, but here's the thing. It's not necessarily the whole adrenal fatigue that causes the issue. It's more of your body is made of flesh and soft tissues and you have discs in your spine and these things get injured. That's why you see professional athletes. They have an off season. They don't, hammer their bodies year round they have an off season then they start a mini camp then they they're in their shorts then they do a training camp then they do a preseason, and then they do the regular season and a lot of players aren't even at their best when the regular season starts some of the players it takes them mid-season until they start really getting you know getting good So, I mean, that's, that's the way it works with our body. So I don't really buy the whole, you know, um, central nervous system and adrenal fatigue and all this stuff too. And it's something that, um, you know, people throw around a lot, but it's not really something that you have to worry about. I would say, before any of that happens, you're going to start blowing out this and you're going to start having joint issues and inflammation in your joints and other issues like that um, before you have to start worrying about that. See what I'm saying? So if you start noticing, hey, my joints feel inflamed and all this stuff, then that's probably a signal that, yeah, you're overtraining. But it's not like, oh my God, my CNS is, is, is fatigued, you know?
1: So, Rick, i chime in on this a little bit and we'll move on. I don't. I don't know if I don't know. You said a lot of stuff. I don't. I don't know what angle to take on this one. Other than, um, yeah. I mean, when you're training, and uh, lack of oxygen causes a buildup of lactic acid in in the muscles. You know, it's produced because the muscles are breaking down uh, sugars to create energy, and uh, that lactic acid buildup does trigger uh, nerve endings to signal pain. And uh, there's definitely a, an effect, direct effect from physical training on your on your nervous system. Um, You know, part of what you're doing when you warm up before you train is you're warming up your your spinal cord and your brain uh, for the training. So um, those effects of lactic acid uh, on your nervous system uh, is something that as you train more, And as you become a a better athlete, as you gain better cardio, uh, there are less and less. So, yeah, you're going to feel uh, that that kind of exhaustion and tiredness and pain, that pain of kind of being tired and being done with with the set of the exercise. It's going to come on a lot earlier if you're not well trained and if you haven't exercised enough uh, as well later. I mean, that's the only thing, little piece of uh, information I can add to all it is I'm not. I'm not sure I I have much more to add in the way this question is kind of formulated. So, um, yeah, let's move on. Next one is for you, uh, top five health supplements that you recommend, uh, on a steroid cycle. So. Oh yeah. Great. I mean, um, basically I I've been, as you guys know, been taking steroids for some 20 years on and off. Uh, and I've always taken natural products, to come, to go along with my steroid cycle, to just get the absolute best results I can for my cycle and to not risk my health in the short or longer term. So I use a lot of natural ingredients. And over the years, all of these ingredients became uh, basically my stack to take with steroid cycle. All of these ingredients became my own products uh, that I made into a whole brand for all you guys out there that are using steroids to take. So the number one is always Entugard. Entogard. Is great for your liver, is great for your kidneys, heart health, uh, blood pressure, all that good stuff. If you take EntuGuard, you're going to see some really good looking blood results on all of your uh, blood tests. So EntuGuard will be the, the first one, and that I would take while I'm taking injectables, while I'm on orals, when I'm off of everything. Um, th- there's a, a a cheaper option to EntuGuard I sell in my store called 3D Multivitamin, and that one's great very inexpensive. It doesn't have some of the organ support stuff because it's mainly a vitamin to take when you are not training that hard, when you're not on steroids and training like crazy. Uh, you take this multivitamin. It's a good multivitamin just for someone who trains hard as an athlete, but is not taking steroids at the moment. And if you are taking steroids, then you step up to N two hard. And that, the, that's probably my number one is that multivitamin, multimineral. I don't think anyone should shoot any steroids, Unless you're taking a multivitamin, multimineral and taking care of, of just any possible deficiencies in your system before you even start adding something else on there like anabolic steroids. Uh, second uh, to that is N2 Generate or HC Generate. You guys can go to hcgenerate.com. That is my libido booster. It keeps my semen volume up. It keeps my libido up. It keeps my nuts from shrinking. I mean, HC Generate, N2 Generate. Is really the number two product anyone should take uh, while on steroids, even while they're off uh, during PCT. It's just great. Awesome for, you know, the one thing we care about guys, which is, you know, libido and, and being able to, you know, l- lay the pipe down. What's the point of l- getting lean and mean and uh, calling, uh, getting a lot of attention if you can't lay the pipe down. Right. So, and to generate AC generate always been the one that helps me make sure that I'm, I'm laying the, pipe down, right? So number one, always multivitamin, multimineral. In this case, N2Guard for steroid users too. Uh, something that makes sure your libido is always strong, no matter what you're taking, whether you're on or coming off of the steroids or been natural for months and to generate. Uh, number three in that stack has always been n 2 Slin. Go to n 2 slincom 2 n N2Slin, 2 Just take it before every single meal. It's just a nice, easier way to Put on more muscle mass, uh, make it easier for you to lose body fat and really uh, do it in a nice kind of easy, effective way by using the insulin pathway. You can take end by itself. You can take it during cycle, off cycle, whatever. You can take it for months on end. It's just a great, great product. It kind of helps shift that balance in the way your body uses carbohydrates to like if you were one of these guys, really great genetics that got really big and muscular off of carbohydrates, like some dudes out there, we probably know. So definitely, um, n would be the, the number three product, number four product, uh, from my store that I would definitely, uh, take every day. And I kind of do is, is cortisol. Uh, I'm not selling cortisol. The bad nutrition product is in my store. Just go to need to and click on fat burners, cortisol, incredible product, great for fat loss. Uh, great to keep your endurance up. I found it to be a really legitimate option to taking GW, a really legitimate option to taking GW. I, I've always had a really big jug of coffee in the morning. Now I have a smaller jug of coffee and instead I smash uh, some cortisol along with my coffee. It supplies some, some good amounts of caffeine along with a, a whole plethora of other ingredients that are great for fat loss and increasing endurance. And cortisol is one that I really found has a really, really good place as just a way to boost my coffee. So I'm thinking about, I'm drinking about half the amount of coffee now that I used to, and I just make sure to take seven to eight cortisol capsules a day. And man, that's a, that's been a really, really good product. And number five, is it's a product that just came into my store. It's called End To 2 transoderm is a topical testosterone boosting cream. Now, guys, N2 transoderm is going to increase the amount of of testosterone in your system, not by making your testicles produce more, but by actually adding into your system precursors to testosterone, that then your body can convert to testosterone. You apply the cream right on your shoulders, which is where the concentration of enzymes that we want to come in contact with the product uh, this is where they are: upper back, shoulders, and you could even use some under the, the arms, just below your, your armpit, if you want to. If you're looking for mood enhancement, And, man, is this a great, nice, strong product? You can stack it along with ACh generate. You can stack it along with SARMs. You could take it along with with fat burners. I mean, you could take this product along with any cycle that you are that you're on, and it's going to add additional anabolic hormones to your system. So those would be the top top five products. Why am I not mentioning products from other brands? It's because if something was really that good, I would just make it under my brand. And so I have. Uh, There are a couple of other honorable mentions I like to say, which I don't sell, but I buy from other brands. One of them is psyllium husk. Psyllium husk is great, great source of fiber. We should all be having a couple of scoops of sealant husk a day. Also, liquid chlorophyll. Liquid chlorophyll deodorizes your body, makes you smell minty fresh. It's just an incredible product for any of us uh, guys to get a little sweaty and strong smelling from the gym. So a little bit of liquid chlorophyll every day. Man, does it freshen up your body. Man, does it remove any of those uh, uh, smells you might might give out. Um, Whey protein powder, you know, just nice whey isolate powder flavorless um that i like i could just flavor myself on the spot depending on on what what i'm trying to uh what i want to achieve at that moment um you know if it's if it's uh pre-workout and i want some some calories some carbs i'll just throw uh some fruit in there with it with the whey isolate and, and milk i mean it's just you could just flavor any way you want so that one's also a good mention and that's about it guys i mean look the we sell uh about 20 skews uh, close to 20 SKUs in my store right now and they're old products that are designed to be taken along with steroids to, to enhance the effects you get from the steroids you're taking now so you get more out of it without having to go to higher doses and also to help deal with some of the toxicity that we've always had from steroids and um I've made them into products guys after all these years of using them for myself and, and consultation clients and, and bros on the forums. Uh, we've, we've got a good, uh, a good lineup and those would be the, the top five that I would use.
0: All right. Yeah. Those are excellent products. N2BM. Um, I've been a customer N2BM for at least 12 years, uh, maybe 13 years. I think from the very, uh,
1: from the very start, I think N2BM has been around what 14 years now, right? Well we got started in 2007 selling yeah. uh protein bars that you could make at home. Yeah, so yeah, 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 it's, been mm-hmm. about, yeah, it's we have been up there about 15 years running along. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely guys check it out, n2bm.com. And uh they're and, and you yeah. know, you know what, guys, we, we've stayed we've stayed really small, we've stayed just a, a pop shop. Um, I don't want to go mainstream and, and do shows and booths and, and sponsored athletes and all that jazz. It's just not it's just not me. I like to just have the, the small brand for hardcore users, hardcore steroid guys that like to get on the phone with me at every other order and just, you know, let, just shoot the shit 15, 20 minutes about steroids. I do that with a few of my guys every day that I, that I can and the guys reach out to me, uh, do the podcast, just provide real information and, and sell the products basically on the science of what they're supposed to do and, and on guys, believing in me that I put these together for the steroid user for you to get the best results you can get on on these compounds without compromising your health and without having to use too much of them. I mean, you throw into slim into any cutting cycle, you you don't need to add in a lot of other crazy stuff. You'll get lean. I mean, you'll fucking notice it. So, you know, my products just kind of work that way and, and I'm happy to just stay real small and stay uh, just uh, catering to the guys that are very dedicated hardcore users and not you know the more mainstream brands They you know they they're, they're pushing a, a, a promise they don't really talk about their ingredients as much as the size they're pushing promises they're pushing a uh, uh, you know well-known people you admire figures sports figures in front of you and that's how they're getting the sale but I, I really like the, the just having a small, company that caters to this hardcore group of guys and and they've kept me you know they've kept me online and alive for over a decade now and hopefully they'll they'll continue to keep me online and keep me alive for for several more decades to come we'll see
0: all right guys so the next one we're going to talk about is i don't get sore from training but still progress on lifts does this mean i don't train hard enough so we're gonna let you have first stab at this and then i'll jump in.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the, the the harder you work out, the more your body gets used to it, uh, gets used to dealing with lactic acid, we spoke about that a little bit earlier, uh, everything from your diaphragms to your lung tissue, I mean, your body gets primed for performance, as you perform, your body gets primed for performance as you perform. So that's about it. It doesn't mean you're just going to make p- more painless progress, because you're pushing, but you'll continue to make progress. You're just just at that point where your body is adjusted to the stress is adjusted to the training. And, uh, and that's about it. I mean, nothing much to say. I guess, look, if you change your training program up somewhat, you'll, you'll begin to feel sore again. Once you are working the muscles and maybe little different angles or, are uh, touching up on muscle fibers, or maybe your current program is neglecting a little bit, you'll, you'll begin to feel sore again. Once you, once you get into working out, of maybe, your muscle in the angles that you're not used to now, but once you've packed down a good routine and you're doing the same kind of uh, exercises for, for chest every time, and you're running along the same kind of exercises for biceps every time and tricep routine is the same one you've been doing for a little while. You just won't feel that pain anymore. You know, it, it just kind of goes away, but you're still making progress. So that's all I have to say about that. I think on this one, um, You got to remember what the objective
0: of training is. Obviously you go in there, you train yourself. Let's say you want to be a great ice skater. You go in there and you never skated before. You put on the ice skates, you you go on the ice and you're like struggling. You try to skate around one time and you fall on your ass, you know, then you get up, you try to go around again, you fall on your ass, you get up, you go around, you fall on your ass. And then you're like, okay, okay. Next time you go, you're able to make it around a couple of times before you fall on your ass and so on. So each time you go, you improve and you push yourself and you are doing it the right way. You're training, you're, you know, you're training the right way. You're doing whatever the the proper thing, the proper way to become a better ice skater is. And then over time, you know, based on your genetics, you may become a great ice skater. You may never be a great ice skater, may just be average. But the point is, you're training your body, your body has body memory involved. And that's why we weight train the same way. So when when you weight train, and your body gets gets shocked, um, it's going to spit out a lot of inflammation to react to that. And it's going to cause that soreness to happen. So it's not necessarily, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting in a good workout just because you get sore. Um, Soreness is one of those things where a lot of times if you change your workout and it's even less intense, you'll be sore, you know? So it's just your body's reaction. So as you get more conditioned, you'll get sore less and less and less. But if you were to change your workout, change things around and really shock your body, you'll notice, oh my God, I get stressed. So that's just your body reacting to what you're doing. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, I would say, I mean, this is one of these things. It's not like a black and white answer. It just depends on, on what you're doing. But I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, you know, it's one of those things where you progress over time. You're going to progress. You're going to progress. You're going to progress. As long as you're progressing, then you're doing something right. But I mean, it's going to come to a point when you get old enough then you're not going to be able to progress anymore. And then you're going to have to change your mentality to, well, i just want to maintain. I want to maintain. I want to still look good. You know, um, it's not going to just keep being like a linear improvement throughout time. So, yeah. So uh, on soreness, um, what's the best way? Let's say you go get, you know, you get in a workout and you get sore. You know, I've tried everything over the years. Um, the one thing that I believe in uh, for soreness is sleep, good quality sleep. And if you can get in a really good solid eight hours, and you can get in a, like an hour or two nap, that can really put it in, in, in soreness. But I've tried everything, hot baths, cold baths, supplements, bathing in different concoctions and and, you know, Eating a lot of food and eating carbs and eating protein and injecting B12 and taking steroids and taking SARMs and everything. I've tried everything. And nothing beats good quality sleep when it comes to um, conquering soreness. So that's what you got to do. If you're not getting good sleep, you're you're not going to recover and your soreness is not going to go away as fast. So definitely work on the sleep for sure. So that's what we're going to talk about is would you say it's advisable not to run an AI during an off-season? In this, you know, during an off-season cycle. So this is another example of listening to what pro-bodybuilders do and not using common sense. Because a lot of times pro-bodybuilders, they can do things and get away with it that a normal person can't. So, this is an example of that because a normal person, you run a bunch of steroids that aromatize and you don't use an AI, you're going to run into issues with estrogen. You're going to possibly get gynecomastia. You're going to get a lot of water retention. You're going to get bloat. You're going to have all the side effects associated with estrogenic side effects. So, just because, hey, it's the off season, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay if I blow it in the off season. Well, is it okay if you get gynecomastia in the off season too? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. so... My answer to this is no. My answer to this is I don't care if it's, if it's off-season, in-season, out-season. I don't care what it is. Always, always keep your estrogen levels where they need to be, which is middle of the range. Keep it in the middle of the range, not too low, not too high, and, and that's the safest route. What are your final thoughts on this one, Rick?
1: Um. I don't know. I I mean, you, your, your estrogen shouldn't be high if you are not taking steroids. So, um, I definitely think when it comes to taking an AI off season, I don't, I don't know. There's probably some other underlying problems uh, that you need to worry about if you're taking an AI off season. I've had to do it at times. I had, um, some estrogen rebound from taking Femara ages ago, and I had to then take after having finished out my cycle with Femara. I had to then take months later uh, take Rimasine because of an estrogen bounce. And I wasn't on steroids; hadn't been on steroids for a while. But I mean, it's it's just you shouldn't have to. There's, you got to have other. You might have other issues at play if you're trying, if you're thinking or if you're having high estrogen issues where you're not. Um, where you're not taking steroids, uh, maybe if you're an older guy, older, older guy, you might have higher estrogen, but a young man, um, there might be other things that play And it. I don't think we have enough time in one podcast to cover all the possibilities and, and the treatment options, but it's definitely not, not healthy. What do you think about that, Steve?
0: Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't agree with letting your estrogen there's other risks, by the way, of letting your estrogen go out of control cancer. You know, it's like a lighting a match to cancer in your body. High yeah, estrogen, well, yeah, like, uh, yeah. I mean, issues. if you
1: if you're not taking steroids and your estrogen is high, and you're not on steroids, there might be other problems. Yeah, you might you might have something other issues, and we should probably dedicate just a whole podcast to that, Steve. Let's remember that. You know what to do if you have high estrogen pro- issues and and you're not on steroids. Uh, or you've been on steroids at some time and now you're, and you did your PCT and now months later, you're having a rebound. Something I think is real re- interesting one to do. Cause there's a lot of different possibilities to explore a lot of different things to look at in the blood work to really get to the, to the bottom of it all. And it I, I would treat the, the core problem uh, before just, just throwing uh, meds at it for the short term,
0: my opinion. All right. So that sums it up guys. Six great topics. This is another episode of Evolutionary Q&A, episode 459. I'll talk to you next week. Take care.
1: Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, Gas.